Hey everyone, this is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready For The Draft podcast. Now look, if you're like me, you're counting down the days. We're less than a week away from the NFL Draft. Yes, it's on Thursday. Nashville, Tennessee. I can't wait. This is going to be a lot of fun. Now, the last four episodes of the Ready For The Draft podcast have been dedicated to the offensive side of the football. Now, the Rapid Fire podcasts continue on the defensive side of the football. The next three podcasts over the next couple of days will be featuring the defensive players. Now, I know really that the focus, uh, especially on the first day, is going to be on that defensive line, the defensive front, um, edge rushers, defensive tackles, loaded at the top of the draft. Uh, And that's something that we definitely want to make sure that we're covering now, if you go to my website, you know I really have the edge rushers broken up between the defensive ends and the outside linebackers. Um, obviously, if it, you know, not everyone's going to be able to uh, fit in that uh, that mold of of a four three defensive end at the next level, that prototypical DN um, in the NFL. A lot of guys are going to be kicked out uh, as an outside linebacker. Some guys are already doing that in. Uh, in college, but we're going to go ahead and try to combine things a little bit. And, uh, after that, we'll go ahead and talk about the interior linemen as well. So without further ado, we've got a lot of guys to cover because again, this is a very deep draft, uh, both at end and at defensive tackle. So we'll go ahead and jump right into things, uh, defensive end position. Now over the course of, uh, the, the last five years, that's really what we want to kind of pay attention to. Um, 2014, there were 24 defensive ends taken in the draft. Uh, three of those were in the first round. Now, that was the year that Jadavion Clowney was taken uh, you know, by Houston at the top of the draft. Uh, D. Ford and, and was taken by the Chiefs, now with the San Francisco 49ers. Marcus Smith uh, didn't really pan out there, went to the Eagles in round number one. You know, In round two, you saw you know, Demarcus Lawrence. Got a nice little payday with the Cowboys. Stephon Tuitt, who's starting in Pittsburgh. And then Coney Ealy, who's kind of bounced around with a couple of teams after playing there in uh, in Carolina. Third round, Kareem Martin. Seeing some action there with the Giants. And then in the fifth round, Aaron Lynch. Uh, you know, Aaron Lynch was a guy, you know, that was really interesting, you know, playing out of uh, South Florida. Ultimately found a home with, with San Francisco. Um, you know, a, a guy who... You know, I I don't think there was much expected of him, but a guy really showed that he could be productive. So when we're talking about you know the defensive ends, nine taken in the first three rounds, the first first two days of the draft, and I think that's going to be significant when we look at the number of players that we're going to be expecting to to go in the first three rounds of this year's draft. Now, 2015. Uh, 21 defensive ends were taken. Now, Leonard Williams ultimately played defensive tackle, but he was considered a defensive end going into the draft. Uh, he was taken number six overall by the Jets. Shane Ray um, had the incident off, um, you know, prior to the, the draft that really saw his draft stock drop. Uh, Broncos took him there in round number one. He's still a free agent out there, by the way. So if a team's looking for an edge rusher, um, Shane Ray looking to resurrect his career just a little bit. Four defensive ends taken in in round number two. Now, there was a, some value. Value there in the second round. Preston Smith, Marcus Golden, Frank Clark uh, just got the franchise tag there in Seattle. Uh, third round, you know, pretty productive as well. Daniil Hunter, Henry Anderson. Uh, but check out the fourth round. Trey Flowers, Zadarius Smith, both of whom 
you know, got nice little paydays there in free agency. Flowers going to the Lions, the Darius Smith going to the Packers, and then Anthony Chicolo in the sixth round. You know, got some value late, ultimately playing outside linebacker there for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, but he was a defensive end at Miami. Uh, 2016, you know, kind of a down year there at the defensive end position, at, you know, with the depth. Um, you know, 19 total defense defensive ends. Um, you know, but there were 12 that were taken in uh, in the first three rounds. So there was depth at the top, and then really not a whole lot of depth after that. So you'll you'll see you'll recognize quite a few names here uh, at the top of the the 2016 draft. So you had 12 players taken. In the first three rounds there of 2016 draft, 2015, uh, by contrast, you know we had 10. Um, so and then before that there were nine. So you can see that we're kind of moving up the board just a little bit there in terms of the number of guys that were drafted. Uh, you know Joey Bosa, uh, DeForest Buckner, um, Shaq Lawson taking in round number one. Obviously we know what Bosa and, and DeForest Buckner have done. Shaq Lawson really hampered by injuries. Um, second round, Manuel Ogba. Noah Spence, uh, Kamala Correa, um, you know, some, some guys that have been nice role players. Uh, third round, you got Carl Nassib and, and Yannick Ngakwe. Yannick Ngakwe, what a steal there for, for the Jags uh, there in, the, in round number three. Round six, um, Ravens able to pick up Matt Junon. You know, and I thought that was a great pickup there late, and uh, he's been able to be productive there in, in Baltimore. 2017 draft, another 21 Taken, but you know the the depth of this draft. Um, not thirteen taken in the first two days. Miles Garrett, Solomon Thomas, Derek Barnett, Jonathan Allen, Tack McKinley, Taco Charlton. Six defensive ends taken in round number one. You look at the second, third, fourth. You know a, a lot of names that really haven't produced to this point. Uh, but you know, six six round you had Al Qadin uh, Muhammad, who's who's actually gotten some playing time there for the Colts, especially in uh, in the in the playoffs. And then 2018, 22 defensive ends taken. That's the most since 2014. But you look at it, the flip side is you only had nine defensive ends taken in the first two rounds. Now Bradley Chubb, Marcus Davenport taken in round number one, Harold Landry, Tyquan Lewis, um, Tyquan Lewis, an underrated player taken there in round number two, Lorenzo Carter, Sam Hubbard, Rasheem Green, Arden Key all taken in round number three. Um, you know, round four, Deshaun Hand, I think really surprised some people. And then uh, Josh Sweat also showing that he has some some potential there at, at the defensive end position as well. So when you're taking a look at the Overall uh, stats here. You know, you're you're talking about guys coming off the board in the first three rounds, and as you're looking through this, you know, there's going to be um, as many. You know, I, I would venture to guess that that we would have, you know, we could have as many as as 15 uh, defensive ends potentially taken in the first three rounds. You know, I think it's deep enough to where we'll, we'll you know, there's a chance that we could see that happen. Um, but it'll be interesting to see exactly where where everything falls. Um, but the edge rushers and really the the outside linebackers, traditional um, outside linebackers, um, coming off the edge. If we look at that, 2014, you know, you had Khalil Mack, Anthony Barr in round number one, Trent Murphy. Uh, out of Stanford, and Jeremiah Tauchu from Georgia Tech in round number two. Carl Bradford was a fourth-round pick. Fifth round, we saw Devon Kennard. 
2015, Dante Fowler, Vic Beasley, Bud Dupree, all taken in round number one. And then uh, uh, Holy uh, Kikaha from, from Washington, Randy Gregory having his off-field issues, but he was taken in round number two in 2015. Uh, Eli Harold, Lorenzo Malden had some early production. Uh, 2016, uh, Leonard Floyd taken in round number one. Uh, Kyler Fackrell, a guy who really has emerged as a, a pass rusher there for, for the Packers. Uh, he was the third-round pick in, in 2016. 2017, Charles Harris and T.J. Watt. You know, I mean, I think what's what's incredible about that draft, you know, and again, I'm I'm separating these because T.J. Watt was considered a a linebacker, um, but he's an edge edge linebacker, and he fell all the way to number thirty overall, number thirty, and you see the production that this this kid has had, uh, just unreal in terms of the amount of production. Um, third round. Jordan Willis, Tim Williams, Trey Hendrickson, really kind of uh, um, situational pass rushers. Carl Lawson and uh, Samson Nebicom. Um, you know, Samson's gotten a lot of playing time there for the Rams coming off the edge. Um, he's shown some promise. 2018, you had, uh, you know, the versatile Uchenna Nwosu, uh, Kimoko Ture also coming off the, off the board in round two, and then Marquise Haynes in, in round number four. Um, so, you know, a lot of... Um, you know, when you look at this at this draft, I think a lot of the defensive ends that were playing end at the next level, or I'm sorry, in college, you know, that were able to make that transition. You saw more of those guys um, taken off the off the board as opposed to um, some of the edge rushers at outside linebacker. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what this draft unfolds. I think at the top, and especially in round number one, um, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear. Um, you know, you're going to have Let's see if we if we get through this. You're gonna have probably six defensive ends, or I'm sorry, edge rushers taken in round number one. Uh, when you when you when it's all said and done, and uh, if we jump into my top ten, number one on this list is is Nick Bosa, six four. 266 pounds, a junior out of Ohio State, you know, really burst on the scene as a freshman in 2016, 29 tackles, seven for loss, five sacks. Um, and as a, as a sophomore really looked to be unblockable, looked a lot like his brother, 34 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks. And, and through three games as a junior, 14 tackles, six tackles for loss, four sacks, and again, just looked virtually unblockable before he had that core injury that ultimately kept him out for the rest of the season, and then he decided he would forego the rest of his eligibility to prepare for the draft. Now, when you compare that with with Joey Bosa, his brother, you know, as a as a freshman, you know, a little bit more productive there. You know, forty two total tackles, twenty three and a half for loss, seven and a half sacks. Sophomore year again, both both players having huge uh, sophomore seasons, but you know, fifteen or fifty five tackles, twenty one and a half for loss, thirteen and a half sacks, uh, and then twenty fifteen. You know, you saw the production drop a little bit, and, and that's really where a lot of people were concerned. There was possibility that his draft stock may may fall uh, because he had 51 tackles, 16 for loss, and five sacks. So there's a, an eight and a half, 
sack dr- uh, drop in his production overall. Now, when I look at, at Nick Bosa, especially with the way that he ended ended his season, you know, he he really was kind of ended before it really got going. But uh, in those you know those three sacks, he just he looked so so dominant, and I think that's one of the things that you can talk about with um, you know with with him and Joey. Um, the, the ability to get off blocks, the hands, violent hands, and so technically sound with his hands, so quick off the ball to slap, you know, chop the hands down, slap them down, uh, the offensive tackle's hands, and then from there go to work. You know, whether it's a, a quick rip, um, you know, using the, a, an arm over, um, able to really bend, they're, they're both uh, pretty flexible in their hips, able to bend, turn the corner in a hurry. Um, you know, the, the violent hands, you know, I, I think he'll also use a quick strike to get his man off balance. Um, and really once he gets that man off balance, he has a two way go. He can either go outside or at that point he's jo- he's jacked him back, can shoot inside with an inside rush to get to the quarterback. Um, so explosive off the ball. I think that's one of the things, you know, offensive tackles have to be prepared for, for Nick Bosa on every single down because I think that quick first step um, really says a lot. You know, you can talk about his 4.7940, but look, his brother ran a 4.484, uh, but it's more about that explosion and, and the way that they work to get off blocks. Um, you know, I, I think what you'll see with, with Nick Bosa, he'll take two steps to the outside off the ball to set his man up to the outside, quick arm over to clear the, the offensive tackle on the inside on one play. Then the next, he uses a quick burst to beat the offensive tackle off the ball, then attack the outside shoulder, dip in the inside shoulder, and easily turn the corner. Um, you know, he, I, I think he's more explosive overall than his brother. I think he has better hip flexibility than his brother as well. Turning the corner, um, does a really good job flattening out. You know, and I think he's also stout against the run. I think he plays with a low pad level when taking on blockers, able to stack and shed in a hurry while keeping his eyes glued to the ball carrier. Endless motor in his pursuit of the football, ability to fight through blocks laterally, keeping one arm free to corral the running back and, and can pursue the ball down the line um, and drop the running back from the backside. Um, now, now Bosa at the at the combine, uh, you know, showed showed off some strength. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, 29 uh, reps at 225 in the bench press, 33 and a half inch vertical leap showed a little bit of explosion there as well. Um, when you compare him with, with Joey. You know, and that's really at the end of the day, you kind of have to uh, to some degree. Uh, but let's see, you know, Joey, a, a 32 inch vertical leap, uh, 28 reps at at, uh, at 225. So you know, Nick had him by one. Um, 32 inch vertical leap. You know, you look at the the, the three cone drill, a six eight nine short throttle, a four two one. Um, you know, whereas Nick, um, you know, ran a four one four short shuttle, seven one three cone drill. So in terms of, of some of that explosiveness, as I said, I think he's a little bit fast, a little bit more explosive than his brother. Um, his brother bested him, you know, by quite a bit in the three cone drill. He got him in the short shuttle. So, you know, I, I think from a, from that explosion standpoint, you're, you, you know what you're getting with Nick Bosa, you know what you're going to be getting there. Um, you know, really the big difference, you know, Joey, uh, six, five, you know, 269 pounds, you know, measuring in at the combine, um, and, uh, you know, whereas Joey, I'm sorry, whereas Nick, 
Um, 6'4", 266, really not that far off. You know, both guys have big hands, over 10-inch hands, 33-inch arms. Um, so I think at the end of the day, what you're getting there is is an explosive player. I, I don't think that the injury um, you know, really seemed to bother him, especially when, when you were watching him there at the Combine. Um, I, I think Nick, Nick Bosa should be the number two overall pick of the 49ers. Look, the 49ers, there, there's talk that they may go Quinn and Williams, but you know, you already have you, know, you have to really figure out what they're going to do there. But you know, you have D Ford. You need an outs, you know, a running mate for him on the edge. Yes, you drafted Solomon Thomas, but Solomon Thomas, look, he's a five technique. Played five technique at Stanford, and that's really where that was his bread and butter. I think you really have to move him inside up front, play him next to DeForest Buckner. You know, so imagine that front. If you had D Ford, DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, and Nick Bosa coming at you. I mean, you want to talk about a NASCAR uh, NASCAR formation. I mean, that, that's that, that could be it right there. And then plus you have uh, Eric Armstead coming off the bench as well. Uh, a lot of first round talent up front for the 49ers. Um, you know, and I think that makes a ton of sense. You got to get Nick Bosa when you can. But not to be outdone, Number two on my list, Josh Allen out of Kentucky, 6'5", 262 pounds. You want to talk about a beast. This is a guy that, that uh, um, I think really put everything together uh, his senior season. You know, check this out. In his sophomore and junior seasons, you know, he had uh, you know, 62 tackles, 66 tackles, um, total of, of 19 tackles for loss, and... 14 sacks. So what does he do? Well, um, you know, best his is total solo tackles uh, by 24. Um, ends up with 88 total tackles, 21 and a half tackles for loss, which is more than he had in, in his la- previous two seasons. 17 sacks, which was more than his previous three seasons. Um, four pass breakups, five forced fumbles, which was more than he had in any other season. Total of 11 in his career, eight total pass breakups. Um, you know, and oh yeah, this is a guy who can drop into coverage and uh, and can pursue the football. Uh, ran a four six three forty at the combine. Showed off some pretty good strength as well with twenty eight reps in the bench press. You know, let me let me tell you a little bit more about you know Mr. Allen. So quick off the football. Um, I think he explodes out of his stance with that low pad level, attacking the edge in a hurry. Uh, I think that burst also allows him to cover a lot of ground off the off the ball. Um, often getting you know uh, as much as five yards up the field. Um, before the, the left tackle can get more than three steps into that kick slide. Um, uses his hands well to slap the offensive tackle's hands away. Uses a variety of moves to get by uh, before flattening out to the quarterback. I think he has the hip flexibility required to bend around the edge, dips that inside shoulder uh, while keeping little surface area for the offensive tackle to redirect him off the path. I think that's really key. You know, When you're turning that corner, don't give that offensive tackle much room you know, and, and much to work with there as you're trying to, to turn that corner. If you give him a lot of, show him, you know, give him that... Uh, um, you know that expose your your side, then uh, the offensive tackle can get his hands on you. But if you limit that m- amount of surface area, like he does, you know it, it's it it can make him may, may make him really effective coming off the edge. I think his rip move is so quick and powerful, easily wins at the point of attack. Um, effective with both his hand in the dirt and as a stand up rusher, will not only attack the out uh, the offensive tackle on the outside, but will also set his man up. Come back inside, running that out, um, up and under, 
Um, when he's standing, he has a stutter off the line that, that often allows that two-way go. I talked about that with Nick Bosa. Either attack the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle or you can fake outside before crossing the face of the tackle back to the inside. Effective in the running game as well, showing that he can set the edge, provide that proper contain, and then does a really good job reading that RPO, uh, which was really on display against Texas A&M and, uh, and dealing with Kellen Mond. Uh, Allen came off the edge um, as, as Mond took off up the field. He was able to quickly plant change directions, and then pursue the football back inside. Um, also, athleticism, as I mentioned, to, to drop into coverage. Against AM in that same game against the Aggies, had underneath coverage against uh, Jay Sternberger, the tight end, on an outbreaking route in the red zone with safety help over the top. Read the play quick, quickly, stayed on Sternberger's hip, and was able to close at the end, elevate and tip and knock the ball away. And then, against Mississippi State, he was covering a shallow cross, able to break quickly and knock the pass away as well. So showing the ability to to drop into coverage and also play, um, you know, the pass, you know, thrown right in front of him as well. I think he's versatile. I think he's a guy who can be an impact player. And I, I keep going back and forth. I, I said previously that I was going to have him go into the Raiders, but I, I think if, if I'm the Jets and I'm looking for an edge rush or a difference maker, look, Greg Williams had Miles Garrett in Cleveland. And I think he's going to want to get that pass rusher, that edge rusher that's really going to, to wreak havoc coming off the edge. And that's Josh Allen, um, you know, especially now that Leonard Williams is kicking inside. I thought about Quinn and Williams there, um, but, you know, I, I think you're you're not going wrong if you end up going with Josh Allen, especially with all that production there. Um, number three on my list, Montez Sweat. 6'6", 260 pounds, uh, th- this guy, you know, he transferred from, from Michigan State, um, you know, in, in 2015, sat out 2016, and was just a dominant force for the Bulldogs. Um, you know, over 100 tackles, 30 tackles for loss, 22, um, 22 and a half sacks. You know, and I, I think what really put him on the map, um, you know, in terms of being an elite prospect was the, the, the draft. I mean, a 4-4-140, faster than any edge rusher at the combine, 36-inch vertical leap, you know, so explosive, um, and, and the length, 35 and three-quarter inch arms. I mean, his, his length really allows him to create that separation off the snap, the offensive tackle, not really able to get his hands on him, and, uh, you know, really allows him to go to work early. And this is a guy who teamed with Jeffrey Simmons on the inside. I mean, imagine that that formidable duo, that dynamic duo wreaking havoc in opposing backfields. Um, you know, I think Sweat really shows some elite pass rush skills. Um, you know, a guy who you know takes advantage uh, again of the length, um, uses his hands very well, um, does a good job getting those hands into the chest of the offensive tackle. Looks like a bench press, just really bench pressing his man to get off that block. Um, closes in a hurry once he flattens out and, and gets to that quarterback. Um, I think what makes him so lethal as an edge rusher is he can not only beat you with power, you know, and, and I'm sorry, you know, beat you with speed. You know, and we know that from that four four one forty and just exploding out of his stance, but also with power. Um, you know, I think that's one of the things you see with his hands being able to jack a guy back, uh, and, and I think that power is is something you know able to convert that speed to power is 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 something that not every edge rusher is able to do. You know, some guys are just a one trick pony, and and he definitely uh, is not that. Um, 
nonstop motor, always working back to the quarterback, uses a spin move very well to work back inside to the quarterback. But I think he's also equally effective as, uh, against the run. Pro Football Focus actually gave him an overall grade of 86.8 against the run, which is good for third best among edge rushers. Uh, uses his length and strength to set a strong edge, stacks and sheds blockers, also has that lateral quickness to track down the ball carrier and the speed to track down the run, running back in pursuit from the backside. Um, you know, I think he, he does, you know, because he is six foot six does work, you know, have to work on that pad level because, you know, it's going to give that offensive tackle too much surface area to, to get his hands on him and, and, and really redirect, um, you know, I think getting those hips down, uh, is going to be key to his success. Now here's the deal with, with Montez sweat, you know, a unique heart condition. Now look, you know, the heart condition, you know, it wasn't anything that prevented him from, uh, competing at the combine, as opposed to uh, Maurice Hurst, Star um, you know some of these guys that had the heart conditions that weren't able to compete at the combine. Uh, Nick Fairley um, didn't really affect their draft stock too much, and I don't think it's really going to affect Montez Sweat. He does have a unique heart condition. He's got an enlarged heart, and uh, from what I've heard, um, you know, on online from numerous sources, uh, ESPN was one that was noting that you know there really isn't a a, uh, a player in the NFL that you can point to that's playing with the enlarged heart, but there are players in other sports that are playing with it and able to perform at a high level. I think there are some precautions that need to be taken for that. Um, I think they said that the you know a defib uh, an AED needs to be there um, on the sidelines. You know at, at any practice in any game, some teams have taken him off their draft board, but I think he's a top ten talent. I don't think it's really going to affect his draft stock too much. I've got him going to the um, to the Lions as of right now, um, you know, I, I'm still working on getting my final mock draft together, but I think if you pair him with Trey Flowers, that really takes care of that, that pass rush. I think that's going to be something that Matt Patricia is really going to want to have coming off the edge. You know, the pass rush there in Detroit is something that, um, has been lacking outside of Ziggy Ansah. And I think having two formidable pass rushers is going to be key. And, and look, Montez Sweat, he he paired very well with Jeffrey Simmons. So I, I think, you know, putting him with, with Trey Flowers, you know, he's got another uh, running mate um, that's going to allow him to, to succeed there coming off the edge. Number four on my list, Brian Burns out of Florida State, 6'5", 249 pounds, a junior. Now, now look, Brian Burns is a guy who... When he came to Florida State, you know, his freshman year, he was playing at 218 pounds. Um, you know, has has pretty good length. Um, you know, again, 6'5", 249, uh, decent size, um, you know, arm length. But, you know, at 218 pounds, you know, you're basically uh, almost a glorified, you know, outside linebacker, possibly even a safety. Um, but he was playing defensive end uh, for Florida State. Really struggled to get off blocks. Really, really had a hard time um, if he wasn't beating that offensive tackle off the snap. Um, as a junior showed up 235 and really had his best year yet. Um, when you look at his stats, uh, freshman year, nine and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks. You know, the, the sack production as a sophomore dropped 13 and a half tackles for loss though, but just four and a half sacks, but really his senior, or I'm sorry, his junior year, you know, Willie Taggart's crew really struggled, you know, in, in Tallahassee, but Brian Burns was one of the lone bright spots, 52 tackles, 15 and a half for loss. Uh, 10 sacks, three pass breakups, another three forced fumbles and a fumble recovery. Um, just really a guy who can wreak havoc coming off the edge. And, and here's here's kind of what uh you know what I look at with him. 
you know, he he led all first year players as a freshman with nine and a half sacks. That's something that really stood out um, coming coming right uh, you know to school there. But uh, two thirty five. You know, at the end of the season, you know, you're looking at it going, wow, you know, you're probably talking about a second round pick, maybe. Um, then he shows up at the combine, 6'5", 249. Now you're talking, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy who uh, can be an edge rusher in the National Football League. But the question was, was how fast was he going to run? He ran a 4'5", 340. Also had a 36-inch vertical leap, but that, that 4'5", 340, you know, you're talking about a guy who was able to add that additional weight and still be explosive. Uh, and I think that's something that is definitely special you know, about Brian Burns. Now, if you haven't already seen the combine footage, I talked about it in, in a previous, uh, um, previous podcast. If you haven't seen the combine, there was a, a catch where he was able to extend for a ball going towards the sideline, reached out in front of him, down around the shoe tops, and... Uh, it was a phenomenal catch. I mean, you know, you forget that this guy's a defensive end with the way that he was able to to pluck that ball. Tremendous get off, really long strides, helps him beat that offensive tackle to the to the edge in a hurry. The hip flexibility allows him to to really dip that inside shoulder as well, and then the ankle flexion. You know, I think that's one of the things that you talk about. You know, what you know that angle of those ankles, how flexible are those ankles? Um, you know, when you don't really think about that as you know from a, from an explosiveness standpoint but it, it really comes into play you know he really gets at that 45 degree angle when he's bending around the edge and, and that 45 degree angle allows him you know he's a lot more explosive that way he's able to really fire uh, cover a lot of distance and, and really fire towards that quarterback in a hurry um you know does a great job you know changing speeds with this rush you know, he's equipped with that hesitation. He stutters, jab steps to, to either freeze that offensive tackle or catch him leaning before quickly accelerating to get by. Um, he's advanced with the hand usage as well, showing the ability to chop the uh, the tackle's hand down, uses that club move uh, to get his man off balance, and he'll also use a rip move to disengage and get by. Um, you know, has a basketball background, which is on display Um with his, his very tight and explosive spin move that really allows his, um, leaves his man in the dust. Um, continues to work to the football off the edge, uses his long arms to, to get to the football as well. Again, with those seven pass breakups and seven forced fumbles in his career. Uh, for as explosive as he's played, um, if he doesn't win at the point of attack, like I said previously, the blocker is able to square him up and uh, he can be easily engulfed by, at the point of attack. I really want to see what happens now that he's added those 14 pounds. Um, you know, what can he really do? Can he set more of, a, of an edge or is he just going to be uh, you know, a, a situational pass rush type of a guy? I think he has that potential uh, to be... A, an explosive pass rusher, a double-digit sack guy at the next level, and if he can really hold his ground at the point of attack, fight through blocks, then I, I think he'll be a steal. I think I, I, right now I have him going to Carolina at number 16, could even go higher in the draft. You know That could end up being a steal, but if he can't, then it's also possible that Burns could be one of the, one of the busts, could end up being the next Aaron Maven. Vernon Golston, Deion Jordan, guys who were edge rushers who really, you know, were were not really able to to translate to the next level. One guy who I I don't really have any worries in terms of you know his development at the next level is is Cleland Furl. You know, number five on my list, six four, two hundred sixty four pounds, the junior. 
Um, I think everybody remembers him from 2016, you know, the defensive player of the game in the national championship, you know, and really had a phenomenal year, 44 uh, total tackles, 12 and a half for loss, six sacks. And then he just got better from there. I mean, 18 tackles for loss and nine and a half sacks as a junior, 20 tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks. If you're scoring at home, that's 50 and a half tackles for loss, 27 sacks, 166 tackles. Five pass breakups, five forced fumbles in his three-year career uh, with the Tigers. Um, now, here's the, the, the thing. He, he has excellent length as well coming um, coming off the edge. So, again, uses those arms um, and, you know, to his advantage. Um, I, I think he's tremendous technically when rushing the passer. Um, has the strength to to set a strong edge against the run. So I think he's one of the more complete defensive ends, even though he's not as explosive as some of these other guys. Um, I th- he fires out of a, out of a four point stance. Um, you know, times the snap uh, much like a sprinter anticipates the the starter uh, starting pistol. Um, looks to extend those arms immediately to create that separation from the blocker. Violent hands, powerful punch at the point of attack to get that offensive tackle off balance. He's really adept at attacking the uh, offensive tackle's hands. Quick slap, um, you know, followed by a quick rip or an arm over to win at the point of attack. Uh, may not, uh, again, may not be the most explosive, but he has excellent counter move, including a quick spin move back to the inside. He's an effective bull rusher, converting his speed to power to generate movement and drive that offensive tackle back into the quarterback. Um, best matchup of the season uh, may have actually been against Alabama's uh, uh, Jonah Williams. You know, I, I thought going head-to-head in the national championship, while both players got the better of each other, I think Furl was able to show that his pass, pass rush repertoire uh, can translate to the next level. He was able to bend enough to get under Williams, who's a technician and, and really a, a solid knee bender, use that right hand to throw him down, uh, getting him off balance, able to flatten out and pressure the quarterback. He'd use a, hand, a, a slap, club, and rip move to... Uh, to get Williams' hands off of him, then obviously take the edge from there. Also took advantage of his reach advantage to really keep Williams off of him, um, able to use a quick rip to get by um, you know, off of that. Um, also effective in, in the run game, um, also in, on display in that game. Excellent play recognition. He actually jacked tight end uh, Hale Hentges back into the backfield before coming down the line to drop uh, the running back, Damian Harris, from behind for no game. Um, also set Williams up by starting outside, then use his hands to slip the block, shoot back inside to drop the running back behind the line of scrimmage. Um, now, when they played against Georgia Tech, the Yellow Jackets did not want to run his direction much, much at all. You know, I, I think Furl, you know, uh, extends to control the blocker at the point of attack, able to stack, shed the blocker uh, with his quick hands, drop the running back in the backfield for loss. Um, you know, I think that lack of explosiveness does pose some problems. Um, has a quick get off that allows him to win at the snap, um, but he lacks the ability to sustain that speed off the edge, which allows the offensive tackles to recover. He's disappeared in some games, um, and, and I think with Clemson, they had so many, um, you know, so many guys there up front. He was playing with Christian Wilkins and Demarcus. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Dexter Lawrence, Austin Bryant. Um, and then a, a bevy of, of youngsters there up front as well. So they were able to pick up the slack for him. But, uh, you know, I, I thought Jonah Williams did expose his weakness uh, time and time again in the title title game, um, you know, lacking that flexibility, turning the corner and, and struggled to really get off blocks when he squared to the to the offensive tackle. You know, that was what Jonah Williams is so good at, those angles, taking the angles, taking the angle away from um, – 
from Cleland Furl, and that's really where it limited his effectiveness at times. But that said, you still can't argue with his consistency coming off the edge. And I think, um, you know, he's somebody I'm looking at the Raiders um, there towards the end of the first round. I had him penciled in going to the Eagles, but, you know, the, I think the Eagles have done enough this offseason to uh, kind of temper the, the defensive end talk, at least for now. Um, I think really next season is going to be the draft where they're going to be looking for an end, uh, possibly on uh, in the first round. But uh, I, I've got him actually falling to the Raiders, whether it's a 24 or, or 27. I think it's probably going to be the number 24 overall pick. I think that'd be a nice pick for the Raiders uh, to address that anemic pass rush with just 13 sacks a season ago. Number six on the list, well, it's Rashawn Gary. Uh, 6'4", 277 pounds out of Michigan, the junior. Uh, I, I never really understood the hype with, with Rashawn Gary. Obviously, he was the number one uh, prospect. I'm sorry, the number one recruit when he came into Michigan. Um, you know, was a reserve there as a as a freshman. Sophomore year, also a reserve for, for part of the year. 58 tackles, 11.5 sacks. I'm sorry, 11.5 tackles for loss, 5.5 sacks as a junior. Only played in nine games, battled a shoulder injury, and I think there are some concerns with that shoulder. Um, but uh, six and a half tackles for loss and three and a half sacks. The the potential, uh, you know, production didn't match the potential, and that's really the biggest concern that you have with with Rashawn Gary. Can he be a guy one on one? Absolutely. But he was a guy that really I don't even think he was the best defensive end on his entire roster. I thought you know Chase Winovich, who I have as my number seven edge rusher, um, he outplayed Rashawn Gary left and right. Uh, you know, just so explosive coming off the edge. And, and you'd see Rashawn Gary, he'd, he'd get out off the ball. Um, and he was one of those guys, there were a lot of close calls, but, you know, just wasn't able to get to the quarterback. And, and that's a concern. But there's no question that this kid is is an absolute beast. He's so athletic. Ran a 4.5840 while measuring in at 6'4 and 277 pounds. Has long arms. Uh, you know, 38 inch vertical leap for a guy that size, um, you know, and uh, bench press 225, 26 times. So the athleticism is absolutely there. Um, but again, you don't win football games um, with with your combine workouts. Uh, absolutely not. I thought it was frustrating because, again, you would see the flashes of dominance, especially when he fires low out of his stance, that lower body explosion. Um, on display at the combine again with that 38 inch vertical leap, powerful base, allow him to convert that speed to power effortlessly. Um, can easily cave in one side of the line with power, then disengage, lateral quickness to pursue the football, has a strength and length to set a strong edge, does a good job getting off blocks and making a play on the football, uses that same length and power to drive his man back off the ball, effective bull rush to collapse the pocket to the quarterback. Um, you know, I think his effectiveness can be taken away when that pad level gets too high. Offensive lineman can stand him up, easily neutralize his raw power. Um, again, plus strength, has the athleticism to be an edge rusher at the next level, but he needs polish to his game. And I think that's going to be, you know, I think it'll be expected that he gets in with an NFL franchise, a position coach, can get his hands on him, use that refinement, can really bring out all of his tools together. Um, the production, again, hasn't matched the potential, but I, and, and because of that, I see Gary as a boomer bust prospect. But if everything can click for Gary, especially getting with the right position coach, the league better watch out. Again, that key word there is if. Number seven, again, Chase Winovich, Michigan. 
this guy just played like his hair was on fire the entire the entire time he was playing. You know, 43 tackles for loss, 18 and a half sacks, 166 total tackles, and uh, this was a guy who actually showed up on campus as a as a tight end, made that switch to the defensive side of the ball for a sophomore season, and really you know, made a name for himself as an edge rusher. Um, you know, eight and a half tackles for loss and five sacks there as a um, as a junior there in in I'm sorry as a sophomore in in 2016. Um, you know, but what was crazy was anytime you watch Michigan play, you know, you're probably tuning in to watch Rashawn Gary or Devin Bush, but it was Winovich who just seemed to flash play in and play out coming off the edge. So explosive hit flexibility. I think is underrated. Um, you know, very, very fluid as an athlete, not, you know, no stiffness there in the hips, uh, able to dip under that offensive tackles pad level. You saw that time and time again, excellent hand usage to rip through quickly, get to that edge, flatten it out to the quarterback. Once he gets that edge, has that closing speed to chase down the quarterback in the pocket. Um, I think he does a good job setting up the offensive tackles with the stutter off the snap, then crossing the face of the, of the blocker, slapping those hands as he's shooting inside. Um, maybe his best move is a, is a push pull. On the, on the offensive tackle, getting that offensive tackle off balance really allows him to then reach, wreak havoc in the backfield. That push-pull, I think, is probably the best of anyone in this year's draft. Really gets that, that offensive tackle off balance. Relentless in pursuit of the ball carrier, chases the ball all the way, all the way to the sideline, um, you know, which means teams better be um, off and running, you know, and, and really you're better off running at him than away from him because he's going to chase that ball down all the way to the to the backside. I think he's quick to diagnose the run plays, takes off in a hurry, flies to the football, knows where the football is going to be, um, and, and does a good job keeping outside leverage against his own read as well. Um, now with Combine, I think he, you know, he really made a name for himself with that four five nine forty at the Combine, uh, six nine four uh, three cone drill. Uh, again, Nick Bosa's was I'm, yeah, Nick Bosa's was a, a seven point one, so you know he bettered him there. Um, so Chase Winovich to me, I think he's going to be a second round pick. Um, if I'm red, if I'm the Redskins, uh, unless I end up taking Brian Burns in, in round number one, if I'm the Redskins sitting there in round number two, I need to find a running mate for Ryan Kerrigan, and I think Chase Winovich would be a nice pick there if he's available. I think he may go even higher than that in round number two. Number three on the list is, is Jalen Ferguson out of Louisiana Tech. 6'5", 255 pounds, the sack daddy as he's known uh, because he set the FBS record with 45 sacks in his career. Um, just a beast coming off the edge. Um, you know, I think one of the things for him, he's an intelligent pass rusher, really top-notch uh, recognition, loaded pass rush repertoire, excellent hand usage. He's physical at the point of attack uh, to drive through the blocker, takes the proper angle to get the edge on the on the tackle. Very violent hands. I think that's one of the things that you can say. The powerful, uh, powerful punch off off the ball. Uses club chop and rip moves that allow him to, to clear the offensive tackle and allow him to turn the corner in a hurry despite some clear hip, uh, stiffness in his hips. I think he's very stiff-hipped, um, but at the same time, the hands uh, so active that, that that punch just really jolts his man and getting him off balance can drive him back into the backfield, just kind of runs people over, looks to kind of maul you as a defensive end. It's kind of a unique way to get into the quarterback at times. Uh, uses that burst, tremendous lower body strength to convert that speed to power. 
Um, 67 and a half tackles for loss. So he's not a one trick pony. He can also make plays against the run. Um, you know, I, I think he's able to, to chase balls down from behind. Um, more of a, a straight line guy. Don't ask him to really, you know, change directions. If a quarterback steps up into the pocket as he's coming off the edge, you know, he's going to, you know, he probably left some sacks on the table because of that. But uh, I think he'll end up being a, a second round pick. And if I'm Seattle, Seattle likes to kind of think outside the box a little bit. And if you need a running mate for uh, for Frank Clark and uh, to take some pressure off of Jaron Reed there um, on the inside, I think that'd be a nice pick for Seattle on day two. Zach Allen is my ninth edge rusher. He, he's really a, a he's a he's a true defensive end, but um, you know six four, two hundred eighty one pounds. I think he really made a mark for himself in 2017. 100 tackles at the defensive end position, just unheard of. Um, excellent effort at the position. Um, 40 and a half tackles for loss in his career, 16 and a half sacks. Um, you know, 14 pass breakups, excellent length, and, and uses that to his advantage. Really times his, um, his his reach very well. Chop, rip, club moves to get off the offensive of tackles block. Uh, I think he has enough flexibility to bend around the edge a little bit. Um, you know, can also get to the quarterback with a strong bull rush, getting on under the offensive tackles pad level, extending those arms, driving him all the way back into the quarterback. Um, we'll also work outside, use a quick spin move back to the inside to pressure the quarterback, stepping up in the pocket. And, and then that nonstop effort doesn't, uh, doesn't end with rushing the quarterback as, um, he uses, uh, great timing to use his length and, and get his hand in the passing lane. As I mentioned, 14 pass breakups in his career. Um, you know, and he diagnoses run plays well, um, keeps working to chase the running back down from behind. Um, I, I think his production screams first round pick, but, uh, ran a five flat 40 at the combine. Um, I think he's going to fall to day two. Um, I think if I'm a team like, uh, like the Patriots or possibly even the chiefs, um, you know, I, I think those are a couple of teams that I could see Zach Allen heading to there on day two. Number 10 on my list is uh, Charles Omenahu out of Texas, 6'5", 280 pounds. This is a guy who really put everything together his his senior season. Never had more than, than, uh, let's see, um, his 45 tackles, total tackles, more than in any other season, 18 tackles for loss, more than his first three seasons combined. Same with that nine and a half sacks. And uh, 36-inch arms. I mean, this is a guy who definitely looks the part when he gets off the off the bus. Um, 6'5", again, 280 pounds. Quick burst, I mean, for a guy his size. Utilizes that length to get his hand in, uh, into the body of the offensive tackle off the ball. Uh, shows a knack for converting that speed to power. Driver's blocker back into the backfield. Um, uses that burst and that length to get, get the edge on a speed rush. Clearing that block to then shoot into the backfield. Um, physical at the point of attack, absolutely. Um, uses his length to stack and check blockers in a hurry. Um, uses his length to his advantage in the running game, um, showing he can extend his outside arm while engage with the blocker uh, to ultimately drop the running back, trying to hit the hole. Uh, the long arms also allow him to attack the football and knock it away as he had four forced fumbles in his career. Uh, maximum effort guy, um, showing that he can even get to the sideline on a quick throw to the wide receiver. Um, so he's he's done that quite a few times there for Texas. Um, you know he's a guy who is is still, um, you know I think he's still a little raw. I think he's still developing, but he's an ascending player. And uh, you know, that 
uh, production there for Texas got better each and every year. Really exploded as a senior, and uh, you know I, I think the sky's the limit for Charles Amena, who um, you know I've got him uh, possibly to Minnesota in round two. Um, also a guy that I think fits with uh, what the Patriots want to do. So we're already at number eleven on these edge rushers. Now, remember, I was talking about 14, 15 on the first two days. We're at number 11, and Ja'Kai Polite out of Florida, also probably going to go in round number two. 6'3", 258 pounds. Um, not much of a factor his first two seasons, but as a junior, 45 tackles, 19 and a half of those for loss, 11 sacks, four pass breakups, and six, yes, six forced fumbles. Really knows what to do when he gets to the quarterback um, and, and really drop him. Uh, you know, able to, to get those strip sacks, you know, really a breakout 2018 season. So explosive out of his stance, eats up a lot of ground on the offensive tackle after just a couple of steps, um, has quick hands, uses a variety of pass rush moves to get to, get the edge against the offensive tackle, some flexibility to, uh, to quickly bend his hips and, and, and get around the edge, a variety of counter moves, especially a spin move that seems to be impossible to stop. Um, really good range against the run. Uh, good speed to the perimeter to chase the running backs down from behind. You know, if I'm an NFL franchise, I'm going to run at this guy, not away from him. Um, I think teams are going to have to get to the bottom of, of why he's not a full-time starter for the Gators, despite his ability to play regularly make plays behind the line of scrimmage. You know, you, you had CC Jefferson and Zabari, uh, Jabari Zuniga that were playing ahead of Jakai Polite. Um, you know, is it one of those things to where he's more of just a situational pass rusher? I think that's going to ultimately drop his stock. Plus, they were talking about how his uh, his combine, he really just kind of blew the combine. After uh, he ran his 4-8-4-40, he pretty much disappeared for the the rest of the combine. And, uh, you know, you can read all over the internet about how he was a poor interview. Um, at the end of the day, I think that's definitely going to hurt that stock, drop him down. But look, what does... Thomas Dimitrov uh, really want to see out of out of his edge rushers. He wants to see speed coming off the edge. Um, you know, now that forty time definitely concerning, but uh, you know, there's no doubt that he was able to make plays wreaking havoc off the edge. You pair Vic Beasley and, uh, and you know Tack McKinley with uh, Jakai Polite, and I think you have something coming off the edge there for Atlanta. So we're not done. With, with the edge rushers, um, you know, I think DeAndre Walker out of Georgia, 6'2", 251 pounds, um, you know, has really good length, you know, uh, 34 and 3 eighths inch arms, uh, 27 tackles for loss, 13 and a half sacks, really showed up his final two seasons there for the Bulldogs. Um, you know, a guy who I think showed that he can get to the quarterback, four forced fumbles uh, in his in his senior, senior season, uh, was injured, um, wasn't able to really participate in the combine, but you know ran well at his pro day, and, and a guy who I think could be excellent value there in the third round. LJ Collier to TC, uh, of TCU, 6'2", 283 pounds, uh, a guy who was more or less a uh, a role player there for for uh, for the Horn Frogs, but was a full time starter in 2018 uh, in 11 games, uh, had 11 and a half tackles for loss and six sacks. You know, if you had Ben Banigou coming off the edge as the as the lightning, this guy definitely was a thunder. A guy who was very physical, a guy who was able to drive through uh, drive through blockers. 34 inch arms, so he was able to use some of that length to his advantage. Ran a 49140 at the combine. So, you know, not the most explosive guy, but that's not really what you're getting out of him. You're going to be getting that physical player, a guy who really is looking to maul you at the point of attack and uh, you know, has some ability to 
make plays behind the line of scrimmage as a pass rusher. Old Dominions. O'Shane Ziminis. I have him penciled in at 14. He may even be higher than that. He may be 12 or 13 on this list when it's all said and done. Uh, you know, 6'3", 253 pounds. This is a guy who led uh, Old Dominion, the Monarchs, in tackles for loss and, and sacks in each of his four seasons. And you just saw those numbers continue to get better and better. 51 tackles for loss in his career, 32 and a half sacks, including 11 and a half a season ago, 11 forced fumbles. I mean, he had, you know, four forced fumbles in each of the last two seasons, 12 pass breakups in his career. This guy just did a little bit of everything. You know, and I know what you're thinking. Well, Old Dominion didn't really play against top level talent, but look, it was Conference USA. So it is a, a group of five um, school. And, you know, he was a guy who I thought was. You know, there, there is some stiffness. He did run a 4.7840 at the combine, though. Uh, 24 reps in the bench press, so he he offers some pretty decent strength at the point of attack. Um, you know, I thought he has a pretty good burst. You know, I thought Ziminus really shows a pretty good burst. Uses his hands very well. I think that's one of the things that he's known for is that hand usage. And uh, when he plays with a low pad level coming off the edge, I think he'll be a nice outside linebacker and could potentially be a third round pick. Um, so now we've gotten to number 15. Joe Jackson out of Miami. And Joe Jackson is a guy who's just been productive for, for the Hurricanes. Let's face it. You know, 13 and a half, I'm sorry, 35 and a half tackles for loss, 22 and a half sacks, never had less than six and a half sacks in his career uh, or in a, in a given season. You know, to me, he, he's a little robotic coming off the edge. Um, you know, I think he's a little stiff. Um, but a guy who just knows how to get it done. You know, he's not going to be the most explosive guy, um, but a guy, you know, he has the size. He could end up possibly even being a three technique uh, when it's all said and done, but uh, a guy who uses his hands very well, very strong at the point of attack as well, um, can convert that speed to power coming off the edge. Um, So he has a chance to be a, a, a day two pick. Then there's Austin Bryan out of Clemson, 6'4", 271. Um, last two seasons, 30 and a half tackles for loss and 17 sacks, eight and a half in each of those, I'm sorry, 17 sacks, eight and a half sacks in each of those two seasons. Um, he, he's a guy that I think when you talk about the pro prospects, he's probably a step below um, his other three running mates there up front. Um, he, he got to see quite a few, um, you know, single coverage, you know, really with, with his, his man with the, with the tackle and was able to beat that, beat him on a number of occasions. A lot of college right tackles, you know, really struggled, um, with his quickness coming off the ball. Um, not going to necessarily see that at, at the next level. Uh, but I think he has really good length. I think he's someone who can set a pretty strong edge. And, uh, you know, I thought he was more explosive than Cleveland Furl. I don't think he's as, as well-rounded as, as Cleveland Furl was, but, he was somebody who seemed to get into the backfield and and uh, provide pressure on the quarterback much more than, than Cleveland Furl did at times. Um, he has a chance to go day two. He's probably going to be a day three guy, but I think he's somebody who could definitely help uh, an NFL franchise. Now, Ben Banigou of TCU, 6'3", 250 pounds, a very explosive guy, started his career at Louisiana Monroe, transferred to TCU, um, played his last two seasons there, and uh, all he did was was rack up 112 tackles, 34 and a half for loss, 17 sacks, uh, very explosive. And again, 6'3", 250, not the biggest guy, 
um, 40 inch vertical leap and a 46240. So you know he's explosive, um, but I, I don't think he was really able to to set a strong edge. You know, I think he was all about speed, and uh, if you square him up, um, he's in trouble. Um, can get engulfed at times at the point of attack and get really get you know washed down the line. Um, he's the guy who's going to have to play in space, be a three four outside linebacker, um, and, and I think he can come off the board in the third fourth round range. Keeping this thing going, uh, Kingsley Kiki. Now Kingsley Kiki has always been a defensive tackle at Texas A and M, but when they ran an odd man front, he was able to play the five technique, and I thought he played it well. Um, he's dropped his weight. He, he's now under three hundred pounds. He was two eighty eight at the combine, six three two eighty eight, and he offered much more of a of a pass rush ability. He, he had five sacks coming into a senior season, had seven and a half to go along with eleven tackles for loss, thirty four and a half inch arms, ran a four nine five forty. Um, so I, I think for me, when I'm looking at him, he's the guy who I think can actually play that, um, that, uh, that five technique. And if I'm the Rams sitting there, probably in the, th- in the third round from the Rams, especially if I'm moving Michael Brockers to, to the nose tackle and I need another five technique, I would look at Kingsley Kiki. This is a guy who can actually offer some pass rush ability there at the five technique. And, uh, I, I think that might, might not be a bad fit. Jordan Brailford out of Oklahoma State. 6'3", 252, the junior, really put it all together in his junior season. 55 tackles, 17 for loss, 10 sacks. Uh, ran a 4'6", 540 at the combine, 37.5-inch vertical leap. This is a guy who I think is also very stout against the, against the run. Sets a really strong edge, excellent you know, with his outside leverage. Uh, pursues the ball very well. Um, you know, a, a guy who has a pretty decent burst coming off the edge as well. Um, you know, so Jordan Brailford, you know, somebody who I think could be a, a three down player. The question is, is can he play in space? Can he be an outside linebacker? Six, three, two, two fifty two. He's kind of one of those tweeners. Is he going to be a four, three DN or a three, four outside linebacker? Teams are going to have to kind of figure that out. And I think that's really going to be, you know, that what's going to kind of hinge that draft stock. Anthony Nelson out of Iowa, six, seven, two seventy one, the junior, um, you know, very productive pass rusher in his three years there with the Hawkeyes. Um, 31, and a, uh, 31 tackles for loss, 23 sacks, including nine and a half a season ago. His 13 and a half sa- uh, total uh, tackles for loss, and nine and a half sacks. Um, you know, were among the, the, the leaders there in the Big Ten. Um, seven pass breakups in his career, four forced fumbles. Utilizes his length, you know, 34 and, and 78 inch arms. Um, to, to really you know attack the football 48240 but a 35 and a half inch vertical leap so he's got some athleticism to him has some explosion um that's six seven you know as a as an uh, as a defensive end have to worry about the pad level a little bit with him but uh, a guy who I think you know can possibly be that that five technique as well uh, at the next level now you know, number 21 overall um in terms of my edge rushers is uh Let's see. It's Christian Miller out of Alabama. 6'3", 247 pounds. This was a guy who had played in just 14 games coming into his senior season. Uh, had 11, 11 tackles for loss, 8 sacks um, on the year. 35 and an 8th-inch uh, arms. You know, So very, very long, um, very athletic and explosive coming off the edge as well. 38.5-inch vertical leap. Somebody who I think could be, you know, right now, I think he's more of a situational pass rusher. I think he's going to be a day-three guy, fourth, fifth-round range, um, but a guy who I think can... 
you know, a, a team that's running a 34 defense. I think he could be a, an explosive uh, edge rusher. I don't know that he can necessarily, um, you know, play, you know, play against the run just yet. You know, I, I think he's somebody who's going to be more of a that situational pass rusher at least for now. Number 22 on the list. How about Charleston's John Kaminsky? 6'5", uh, 286 pounds. This was a guy I didn't really get to see much film on um, until after I saw him at the Combine. Ran a 4'6", 940. Um, and, you know, he was at the Senior Bowl as well, but I, I, I wanted to see what he would do at the Combine before I really uh, invested a whole lot in, in taking a look at this kid. Um, you know, he was actually the Mountain East Defensive Player of the Year in 2018 with 67 tackles. 16 and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, two forced fumbles, um, you know, really upped his game, you know, just so much more active, never had more than 41 tackles in, in any of his first three seasons. Um, I'm sorry, I take that back. Um, I was looking at the, you know, he had 73 tackles in, in 2017, uh, 23 tackles for loss and six and a half sacks. Um, I was looking at the 23 tackles for loss and assumed that was his total tackle count, but that's actually his tackles for loss. So, you know, in the last two seasons, that basically adds up to 39 and a half tackles for loss and, uh, and nine and a half sacks. Um, you know, that 46940 shows that he, he's a pretty good athlete and uh, 6'5", 286 has the size to be a five technique. Um, I, th- I think he's a, a guy who's probably going to be in that yeah, fifth, sixth round range, but a guy who I think can make a roster. I think of Zach Seiler. Um, a guy from a small school, you know, now has a chance to potentially start there for the Ravens. Carl Granderson, Wyoming, 6'5", 254. Um, you know, another guy coming off the edge. Really had a stellar breakout junior season. 16 tackles for loss, 8.5 sacks. But the production, he saw a huge drop. Uh, played in 11 games, 7.5 tackles for loss and just 3 sacks. I know he lost his running mate, uh, Ioana Gaffon. Um, who ultimately was kicked off the team? Um, you know, ran a four seven nine forty, has thirty four inch vertical, uh, thirty four inch arms, thirty five inch vertical leap. Um, you know, has uses his long arms to his advantage. You know, and and has some pretty good explosion coming off the football. Um, but you know, I, I think that drop in in production is is a concern. I, I think it has to be a little worrisome. Why? Was he based, Is he a one-year wonder? You know, was was uh, that that senior year just a fluke? Um, you know, after you know that that explosive junior, you really have to have to wonder with him. You know, I think he's going to be a day three guy, probably a probably a, a six-round pick. I think it right now. A um, few other day three guys: Sharif Miller out of Penn State. Really a guy who I thought should have come back for a senior season. I was kind of surprised when he came out and entered, entered the draft. That said, 31.5 tackles for loss, 14.5 sacks, ran a 4.6940 at the combine, um, you know, 6.4254. Um, I, I think he's probably going to end up being um, a. Uh, well, he, you know, I, I think he, he's one of those tweeners again. Could either be a, a 3 4 outside linebacker, potentially a defensive end in a 43 defense. Kind of reminds me of Shalit Calhoun uh, coming out of Michigan State. Um, Malik Reed. Nevada, 6'1", 234. Uh, this was a guy who, you know, in each of his last two seasons had eight sacks, um, you know, had 25 and a half tackles for loss during that time as well. Um, not very fast, ran a 4'8", 40 at 6'1", 234. Um, but the reason why I wanted to bring him up, when you look at his stats, you know, playing in the Mountain West Conference, um, you know, 57 total pressures, according to Pro Football Focus, 
Um, pass rush productivity, 24.4%, getting to the quarterback. Pass rush win rate, uh, win rate was 207 uh, uh, which would have finished 11th as a pass rusher. Um, you know, his overall grade, according to Pro Football Focus, 90.3, which would have put him 8th among the uh, the edge rushers. But at 6'1", 234, that 4840 has to be a concern. How explosive is he? He also only had a 32.5-inch vertical leap. You have a guy who's undersized coming off the edge. You'd hope that he's a little bit more athletic than that. Jamal Davis out of Akron um, started as a linebacker, converted to defensive end, and was a beast for, for Akron after transferring from Pitt. Um, 31 and a half tackles for loss, just seven and a half sacks, including five and a half a season ago. But this is a guy who I think is very active, um, you know, plays the run very well. Um, also able to drop into coverage, had six pass breakups and an interception here in his senior season at the defensive end position. I think he's going to be a three, four outside linebacker has excellent length, 34 and a quarter inch arms, ran a four, six at the combine, 39 inch vertical leap, going to be a day three guy. And again, an outside linebacker, um, because of his athleticism, I think he's going to be a guy who might have a shot at the next level. Now we're going to go north of the border. Talk about the Canadian, eh? Uh, Matthew Betts, 6'2", 254. Um, this is a guy I, I think really jumped on everyone's radar with his nine sacks uh, last season. And uh, ran a 4'7", 4'40", uh, 23 um, reps, at 225 in the bench press, just a 29 and a half inch vertical leap. That's kind of odd, but uh, I watched some film of this guy and just so explosive off the ball. Just beats the offensive tackle out of the stance. Has very quick hands. Can can bend turning the corner in a hurry. Very tight turn to get to the quarterback. Um, you know, I, I thought he did a really good job um, beating beating the right tackle time and time again to the outside. Would have a quick jab step to the outside and then come underneath, cross the face of the the offensive tackle and uh, get inside to to drop the quarterback. Um, you know, limited in terms of of some of his length. Uh, again, six two two fifty four, but uh, a guy who I think could be a late round pick um, at the next level. Um, Max Crosby out of Eastern Michigan. You know, I, I wasn't sure if he was going to be an outside linebacker or defensive end, but he's 6'5", 255, offered some pretty decent athleticism, 4'6", 40, 36-inch vertical leap, and uh, a guy who I really was hoping come, would come back for a senior season. I thought that he could be a better pro prospect as a senior, but decided to leave the Eastern Michigan Eagles after his junior season. 41 tackles for loss, 20 sacks, um, four pass breakups, four fumble recoveries, uh, really knows how to get to the football. Uh, eight forced fumbles in his career. Uh, a guy who, you know, I, I thought, you know, just play with maximum effort all the time. Guy who has tremendous speed. Just a guy who just kept working to the football. Kept working to get to the get to the ball on every single play. Um, and really because of that, because of that explosiveness was really a lot of fun to watch. Now, the next guy is probably one of my favorite guys. And it's not just because I went to USC. Um, Porter Gustin, 6'4", 255. If you haven't heard about uh, his, his prowess as a, uh, a gym rat, um, it, this guy, you know, waking up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, um, you know, would wake himself up in the middle of the night, too, to drink some of his shakes. And Sports Illustrated has a tremendous article on him, how he would blend his meals and, and would drink, you know, fish and uh, veggies, chicken, you know, thing of muscle milk put a whole bunch of stuff together rice and, and blend it all up and, and drink it um you know just an absolute freak when it comes to to fitness 
Um, but this was a kid, highly touted recruit coming to USC out of uh, the state of Utah. And he's a guy who really has been hit by the injury bug, has yet to play, um, you know, the last two seasons, you know, only cut short just four four games as a junior and six games as a, as a senior. He's a guy who, even before then, was a guy who would pr- provide a lot of pressure coming off the edge and would have a lot of close misses but wouldn't always get to the quarterback. In those first two seasons, had 20 tackles for loss and and, and uh, 11 sacks. Um, now, his uh, his junior year, I thought what was really impressive, played Texas, had sacks on back-to-back games while playing with a screw in his foot. And it turned out that screw actually moved and uh, you know, also tore his biceps in that game and, and kept coming back out onto the field to... Uh, to try to play, you know, tremendous toughness, a guy who just plays through tremendous pain. And, uh, you know, through six games, had 10 tackles for loss and seven and a half sacks before, uh, you know, a broken ankle ended his career. 33 tackles for loss in his career, 21 and a half sacks, ran a 4.6940, put up the uh, 225 31 times. Again, that Jim Rat, uh, very explosive guy, um, you know, in terms of his strength. But he, he's, I, I think, so muscular and, and, and muscle bound. Um, I, I think that's what limits some of his flexibility, you know, that coupled with the injuries. Um, I, I think he's, he's very stiff in his hips, but uh, a guy who look USC's pass rush was m- much different with Porter Gustin in the game. Um, you know, he, there was just one of those things brought that attitude. So violent with his hands, a guy who was going to continue to work and he was going to uh, beat you up. You know, that offensive tackle, he's going to beat you up and he's going to try to outwork you and get to the quarterback by any means necessary. Just a nasty demeanor and uh, you know a guy that you want to have on your football team. You just have to worry about his uh, his durability. Is he going to be able to stay out on the football field? And uh, you know he could. You know a team could take a flyer on him late because of the athleticism. But uh, and we'll see. The jury's out there. Uh, another guy who. You know, we talk about production. Uh, Jalen Jelk, 6'5", 256 out of Oregon. As a junior, 59 tackles, 15 and a half for loss, seven sacks, seven pass breakups. Fast forward one season in 2018, 56 tackles, seven and a half for loss, three and a half sacks. That huge drop in production. Uh, Justin Hollins, the outside linebacker, really was the guy that was the force on defense for the Ducks. Um, ran a 4.9240, so that didn't really help his cause uh, that much either. Um, you know, has really long arms, 34 and 5 inch arms, uh, but a guy who, to me, I, I think is going to have a hard time getting drafted. Probably, you know, going to get late, um, late consideration just because of his length. Uh, and one final guy at the defensive end position, Sutton Smith out of Nor- uh, Northern Illinois, I think is worth uh, talking about. You know, he only ran a 4.6940 at the combine. But, uh, you know, he, he's so explosive. You know, I think that quick first step, you know, and always work and try to get to the quarterback. 58 and a half tackles for loss and 30 sacks in, uh, in just three seasons there for the Huskies. Uh, four pass breakups, seven forced fumbles, six fumble recoveries, three of which were returned for touchdown. Um, just, you know, it was a two-time MAC Defensive Player of the Year. You know, and I'm looking at this with his numbers. You know, he had a chance to ultimately break Jalen Ferguson's sack record, but decided to uh, to leave Northern Illinois after his junior season. Um, you know, where is he going to play? Six foot two, thirty-three. Probably going to be have to play in space, coming off the edge. You know, might offer some. Um, 
you know some team a, a, a you know some pass rush capability going to have to get a job done on on special teams but uh you know because of that explosiveness i think you know a team may give a flyer late that productivity he knows how to get to the quarterback so there's a chance that he could get drafted late so those are my edge rushers. You know, like I said, there may be as many as 15 or 16 edge rushers taken in the first three rounds. Defensive tackles. Let's kind of take a take a look at the defensive tackle position now. Switch gears, move to the interior, and uh, we're going to look at the last five drafts here from the defensive tackle position. 2014, 19 defensive tackles taken, and uh, nine of those were taken in the first three rounds. This was Aaron Donald's draft, number 13 overall. I thought for sure this was going to be uh, you know, Aaron Donald to Minnesota because Mike Zimmer had Geno Atkins and you know we saw what he did at, at the five technique for that, or I'm sorry, at three technique for Cincinnati. And I thought he was going to take Aaron Donald, ended up taking Anthony Barr. Aaron Donald falls all the way to 13 to the Rams, and the rest is history. You know, two-time Defensive Player of the Year. Um, you know, we can talk about all kinds of uh, superlatives there for, for Aaron Donald. Just an absolute freak of nature. Um, his name is going to come up later on, um, and I know that it's not fair to compare him to uh, some of the other players, but you'll see why I'm, I'm using a, a little bit of a comparison here in a little bit. Uh, second round, Timmy Jernigan. You know, a, a decent career, though, you know, the off-field injury kind of messed things up, especially with his uh, um, his contract, no longer guaranteed money, and it's kind of a year-to-year deal. Um, fourth round, Justin Ellis has been productive for the Raiders. Brent Urban playing a five technique there for, for the Ravens. Um, also kind of plays defensive tackle at times. Uh, sixth round, Daniel McCullers has been a nose tackle for the Steelers. Seventh round, Bo Allen. You know, I thought he's played pretty well for, for Philly and now with, with Tampa. Um, 2015, you know, we saw an uptick in the number of defensive tackles taken. 22 in that draft. We had three in the first round, three in the second round, two in the third round. So that's a total of eight taken in the first uh, first two days. Uh, first round, we had uh, Sheldon, I'm sorry, Danny Shelton, Eric Armstead, Malcolm Brown, um, round number two, you know, what's interesting there was Shelton and Brown were both playing for uh, the Super Bowl champs. Uh, just noticed that. Um, second round, yeah, Mario Edwards, Jordan Phillips. Fifth round was a steal with Ga- uh, Grady Jarrett. Um, so again, you can get some of this value late. You know, some of the guys, you know, Grady Jarrett was a guy who had tremendous burst coming off the et- or coming off the ball, but uh, you know, lacked the overall size. Fell to the fifth round has been a steal for Atlanta. 2016, 23 defensive tackles taken, and this was a huge draft in terms of depth. Um, let's see, 14 defensive tackles taken in the first three rounds. So keep that in mind as we go through. We'll count the number of defensive tackles we think are going to be taken in the first three rounds of this year's draft. First round, Sheldon Rankins, Kenny Clark, Robert uh, uh Vernon Butler. You know, really, the, I, I thought uh, you know the second round. You got some steals there. Chris Jones from Mississippi State going to the Chiefs. We know what he's done there. Uh, Austin Johnson, Ashawn Robinson. Uh, Jaron Reed has been a, a pass rusher on the inside. I think he felt it the second round because he was more of a run stuffer, but uh, ultimately taken in round number two and has been a beast for Seattle. Uh, Aaron, uh, Adam Gotsis has gotten some playing time for, for Denver. Um, round number three, Malik Collins to Dallas. Uh, Javon Hargrave going to Pittsburgh. 
Uh, fourth round, Chel- uh, Sheldon Day and Andrew Billings. Uh, fifth round, Matt Ioannidis has really been a steal for the for the Redskins, a guy who, um, you know, playing five technique, can actually get after the quarterback. I think he had, what, if I want to – if I remember correctly, I think seven and a half sacks a season ago. Um, and then DJ Reader has gotten some playing time. He also was a fifth round pick of the Houston Texans. 2017, you know, this was really a, you know, a, a back end heavy draft, um, you know, because you had no, no uh, defensive tackles taken in round number one and only six on, on day two, yet you had 21 total defensive ends taken. Um, this was the draft with Malik McDowell taken in the second round, Dalvin Tomlinson, really the the class of that uh, 2017 draft class is Larry Ogunjobi, who I think is, has proven to be a steal there for, for the Browns, I think a major player um, here in, in uh, 2019 playing alongside uh, the newly acquired Sheldon Richardson. And then finally, 2018, 24 defensive tackles taken. Another draft, we saw an uptick, 11 taken in the first uh, first three rounds. Vita Vea, uh, Deron Payne, uh, Taven Bryan all taken in round number one. Breland Speaks, a surprise uh, taken there by Kansas City, uh, thought to be a third rounder uh, or possibly fourth. Went in round number two, as did P.J. Hall, the interior penetrator. Um, third round, B.J. Hill, um, you know, has been a nice surprise there for the Giants. Nathan Shepard, Derek Nottie, Justin Jones, Diedrich Sinat has played well for Atlanta, uh, for Atlanta. And then Harrison Phillips, um, you know, fifth round, Maurice Hurst looks like a steal there for the Raiders. Tim Settle, Bilal Nichols um, have both gotten playing time there as well. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things to where, you know, not every first round pick has produced at the defensive tackle position. You've seen some guys in the second, third round, you know, have had some depth um, at the position, but this is a draft class to me when I look at at defensive ends. I'm sorry, at, at the defensive tackle position, there could be as many as six go off in round one. Um, and then, you know, you've got another, let's see, um, when I'm scrolling through my list here before we jump into things, I think we probably, I think the magic number is going to be 12 taken in the first three rounds, but there's a lot of depth, a lot of depth at the position. And, and uh, you'll see that as we go through uh, the defensive tackle. So without further ado, let's jump into the top 10. And uh, obviously number one on the list has to be Quinnen Williams, the redshirt sophomore out of Alabama, 6'3", 303 pounds. And with that size, ran a 4'8", at the combine, super explosive, uh, was just a guy and in 2017 was asked to to step in at the nose guard now that uh, Deron Payne has moved on to the National Football League 71 tackles 19 and a half tackles for loss and eight sacks I mean just ridiculous what uh, what he was able to do there with uh, with that production um, you know after just six and a half tackles for loss and two sacks the year before Um this is a guy who dominates the interior of the line against both the run and the pass. Nightmare to block up front, such a quick burst off the ball that he was beating interior linemen off the snap, splitting double teams left and right. The quickness allowed him to quickly engage the offensive lineman, use his hands so quick uh, to beat the, la- the, the man with uh, a variety of moves. Quick hand slap and a rip on one play, then he'll follow that up with a quick arm over, shoot the A-gap and disrupt the play in the backfield, excelled at converting his speed to power, getting his hand into the offensive of lineman, driving his man back into the backfield against Clemson in the national title game. He drove Mitch Hyatt back 
into the running back to disrupt a run play, ultimately resulted in a tackle for loss. Seemed to just live in opposing backfields, finishing the season again with 19 and a half tackles for loss. Wanted to really mention that again. Um, the, the 71 tackles, I think, was further proof of just how active Quinton Williams was throughout the year. And his domination up front led him to you know, an Outland Trophy win and an eighth-place finish in the Heisman Trophy voting. Now, to put things in, into perspective, let's compare his 2018 season with that of Ndamukong Sue and Aaron Donald. Um, because these are two guys, you know, they both had the rare ability to take over games from the interior of the line. And, and those are the two guys that I really want to compare. And both of those guys were fellow Outland Trophy winners. Now, Ndamukong Sue finished uh, 2009 with 85 tackles, 20 and a half tackles for loss, and 12 sacks, which also led to the, the fourth-place finish in the Heisman voting and, and led to him being taken number two overall by the Lions. Now, fast forward just four years to 2013, Donald finishes with 59 tackles, 28, 28 tackles for loss, 11 sacks, leading to a 13th overall selection by the Rams. Now, what's so impressive about Williams was he, able, he was able to accomplish what he did as only a one-year starter. Now, in Sue and, and Donald's final seasons, or I'm sorry, in their junior seasons, um, Sue had 76 tackles, 16 and a half tackles for loss, and seven and a half sacks. So when you look at that up in production, you know, uh, improved in each of his areas, uh, including four and a half additional sacks uh, to that total. And then Donald, 64 tackles, 18 and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. Again, um, you know, the, the production there, five and a half additional sacks added to that stat line. So imagine this type of stat line that Quinn and Williams could have put together had he decided to return for his redshirt junior season. Could have been ridiculous. Um, again, that, that, that really what I'm trying to drive home is that, that production and that ability from uh, their, their, Junior season to senior season, what you really saw with Ndamukong Sue and Aaron Donald and that that up in play, Quinton Williams as a redshirt sophomore, what could he have done as a redshirt junior had he come back to Alabama? We'll never know, but I think the Raiders will be getting a steal with a guy as an inside pass rusher, able to wreak havoc and, and also really, you know, also adept at uh, getting quick penetration against the run. Um, you know, the Raiders, 13 sacks, not getting it done. I think you get that interior penetrator um, and then use, use, like I said, Cleveland Furrell probably there at the end of uh, the first round. Number two on my list was number one uh, on everybody's book coming into the season, and that's Ed Oliver out of Houston. Now, Ed Oliver, there's a lot of talk about how he was likely playing at, um, you know, under 280 during the season. Um, but you know, weighed in at 6'2, 287 at the combine. And uh, you know, this guy just absolute freakish, you know, showed up Houston's first five-star uh recruit, uh burst onto the scene, 65 tackles, 22 tackles for loss, five sacks um in his freshman season as a sophomore, followed up with 73 tackles, 16 and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, and then as a junior in just eight games. 54 tackles, 14 and a half for loss, three sacks. Really struggled to get that first sack. I think it was like five or six games into the season before he finally got that first sack against East Carolina. Um, but here's here's kind of the deal with with Oliver. Um, you know, the athleticism, I, I think what he did at his pro day really solidified himself as a top 10 pick. You know, he weighed in at 281 
at, at the pro day. Ran a four seven three forty with a one six three split. Posted a seven point one five three cone drill. Uh, 4.22 second um, short shuttle. Now, to put this into perspective, we've been talking about Aaron Donald, and you hear all the comparisons with him, but check this out. 2014 combine, 46840, 1.59 split, not too far off from Oliver, 7.11 three-cone drill, 4.39 short shuttle. So the positional com- positional comparisons between the two may not be fair, given the fact that you know, Oliver posted Aaron Donald fast times does bode well for, for his draft stock at the same time. Um, now, I, I think with Oliver, you know, this was a guy people talk about, you know, why didn't he rush back from that knee injury? But this was a guy who played in all 26 games uh, in his first two seasons and was an absolute beast. You know, uh, you know, his game is all about that, that ability to fire so quickly off the ball reminds you of a, of a Geno Atkins, um, you know, to some degree, you know, fle- few players at any position are as explosive as him uh, from the time the ball is snapped. So quickly out of a stance, shoots gaps before the interior lineman, even though it hit him, uh, you know, fires off the ball with that low pad level, allows him to win with leverage at the point of attack. Suddenness catches blockers off guard, which allows him to get into their body, deliver a powerful punch to get him off balance. Often you'll see Oliver uh, strike the center uh, uh, under the armpit to shove him completely aside, which then gives him a free path to the quarterback. Does a good job setting up his man lined up over him, attacking half the man with his burst off one play, and then will then jab step, follow with the slap and rip back to the other side on the next play. Um, there are YouTube videos. If you haven't seen these, they're incredible. Features work at footwork and agility he moves like a 280 pound linebacker defensive back it's ridiculous it's that type of athleticism that caused him to uh, see frequent double and triple teams and at the same time he was able to still you know make make plays and and be effective when you talk about taking the guy in the top 10 you have to know you know those are guys that especially on the defensive side you need to know where they're going to be at at all times and that was really at oliver you know seeing those double and triple teams all the time um, I, I thought that he did get engulfed sometimes at the point of attack, could easily get washed down um, if he wasn't able to beat his man off the ball. Um, you know, he was so disruptive in the backfield, but just couldn't finish. And again, like I said, the sixth game of the season against East Carolina before he could record his first sack. But you can't argue with the production. You can't argue with the speed. Um, I think despite some of the physical limitations, he's definitely a top 10 talent. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be someone. I've got him going to the Bills to replace Kyle Williams, um, you know, at the end of the day here. Number three on my list, Christian Wilkins. You want to talk about a high character guy? This is this is the guy, you know, uh, the kindergarten teacher in, in the offseason between his junior and senior season. 6'3", 315 pounds, um, just a beast, a guy who, you know, was asked to play, you know, defensive end at times um, out of position uh, in 2015. Uh, ultra productive, 192 tackles, four, uh, 40 and a half for loss, 16 sacks, 15 pass breakups, including nine in uh, his sophomore season alone. But, uh, you know, I think everyone really surprised, you know, he surprised everyone by returning for a senior season uh, to play one more year. But this guy, you know, he's a very cerebral guy, very intelligent guy, uh, won the Campbell Trophy, um, just really a, a smart dude. Um, you know, and uh, was a finalist for a number of awards his, his senior season, the Nagurski, Outland Benaric, Lombardi, and uh, also the Lot Trophy. 
became the fifth player in Clemson history to be named the unanimous All-American, joining Gaines Adams, Daquan Bowers, Terry Kennard, and C.J. Spiller, all of whom were first-round picks. Now, in addition to the prowess on the field, like I said, um, off the field, he was a four-time All-ACC academic team selection, very active in his community as well. Um, Falcons, I, I think Thomas Dimitrov, they're going to need a, a defensive tackle uh, to pair with Grady Jarrett. And, uh, you know, I think Thomas Dimitrov, hey, you're getting a high-character guy. Um, I think he's definitely scheme-versatile, uh, lined up as a three-technique and an even-man front, also able to line up as a five-technique and a 34 defense. Um, times the snap, snap count very well, very quick with his hands to get into the blocker, allows him to shoot gaps off the ball, rip an arm over moves uh, to beat the man, uh, to get early penetration, um, also plays with excellent effort. Against Syracuse, he was engaged with the left guard. Then quarterback Eric Dungy ran up the middle, used a quick arm over to get off the block, drop the quarterback in the hole. Then on another Dungy run, uh, th- this time to the outside towards the end zone, uh, the linebacker forced Dungy to cut back inside while Williams was pursuing him eight yards down the field and able to drop him one, one yard shy of the end zone. Um, also pursues the ball all the way to the sideline from the backside. Um, you know, I, I think he's somebody, um, you know, when you look at at his arm length, just 32 and a half inches, um, that's fifth shortest among all defensive linemen that were at the combine. Um, so I think he'll struggle with some offensive tackles, um, you know, if he were a, a five technique, which is why I, I really think he's going to be that, that uh, interior pass rusher and, uh, you know, a guy that's going to be asked to to hold the point of attack there. Um you know, I think he can't get engulfed by double teams at times, but uh, I think if you pair him, you know, with uh, with Grady Jarrett there in Atlanta, I think you know, you're going to have a guy who can end up being pretty productive when it's all said and done. Number four on my list, Jeffrey Simmons out of Mississippi State. We've talked about him previously when we were talking about Montez Sweat. 6'4", 301 pounds, the junior, uh, 33 tackles for loss, seven sacks, in uh, in his career, seven pass breakups, five force force fumbles. You know he was really expected to be a top fifteen pick until he tore his ACL in a pre combine workout. Now you couple that with the fact that he pled no contest, a simple assault after striking a woman multiple times uh, as a Mississippi State recruit, and I think he definitely has some several red flags that's going to send him down the draft board. Um, you know, I think Philly could potentially take him there in round number one. Potentially the uh, San uh, the I almost did it. Uh, the L.A. Chargers um, there at 28. I think he may fall to round number two uh, as well. You think about Joe Mixon and some of his off-field issues. You think about a lot of guys, you know, uh, Miles Jack and um, Jalen Smith, you know, are, are two with, with some freak injuries that uh, ultimately saw them have their draft stock drop. So he's kind of that unique taste case where you've got you know a couple of off-field uh, concerns so it'll be interesting to see exactly where he falls but Philly I think is going to be a, an excellent landing spot for him Fletcher Cox Pro Bowl defensive tackle Malik Jackson signed as a free agent to take over the starting spot there um, mentioned Timmy Jernigan and what's what's going on with his contract there but you know, I, I think he he can be that insurance policy at defensive tackle especially considering Alotinata retiring now, Simmons, he was a zero technique, affect both of the gaps, has a really nice blend of size, power, and speed. Um, you know, very, very productive and, and very active at the defensive tackle position. I thought he 
wreaked havoc on the inside while Montez Sweat was bending around on the outside. Now, despite having Sweat as the running mate, it was Simmons who constantly found his way to the backfield to, the, to disrupt the run plays shortly after the mesh point and could collapse the pocket to force a quarterback to make a decision uh, with the ball before he wanted to. Um, I think he's, you know, if he, he's kept himself out of trouble to this point and uh, there's a chance he can end up in round number one. I wouldn't be surprised if he falls to round two and I think Philly is the right fit for him. Number five is Dexter Lawrence, 6'4", 342 pounds out of Clemson, um, ran a 505-40 at the Combine, also put up uh, 225, 36 times, um, had a bad hammy, uh, came up limp, uh, came up lame there at the at the Combine, couldn't able, uh, couldn't finish, but I think everyone knows what this guy's all about there on the, on the interior of the defensive line. Um, he, he never really saw... Uh, the same level of produ- productivity at rushing the the, the quarterback uh, as he did as a freshman. You know, in 2016, he had eight and a half tackles for loss and six and a half sacks, and uh, ultimately managed nine and a half tackles for loss and three and a half sacks in the final two seasons combined. Um, so you, you really worry about the the fact that he wasn't able to really match that production, um, and, and I think that's really concerning. I think it you know that first round pick you really. Um, banking more on potential than production at that point. Um, but at the same time, there are a few players that possess his kind of agility. You know, this is a guy who's so quick off the ball and surprisingly uh, quick laterally to keep his balance against cut blocks, uh, short area bursts to, to run down ball carriers, tremendous power at the point of attack, um, able to take on double teams, eat up space, allowing defenders to make plays around him, uh, does a good job conferring speed to power, Drive his man back into the backfield. Looks to bury offensive linemen whenever he can. Um, not only can he plug holes, though, but he can also use his strength to work down the line uh, to get to the ball ball carrier running away from him. Um, I think he loses his effectiveness when he when he fires off the ball too high. Um, at 6'4", uh, 342, he's really got to keep that, that center of gravity lower. Um, but when he when he gets, gets that pad level too high, um, often gets driven back off the ball. Also lacks some fun, uh, some fundamentals, especially when trying to get off blocks, because he relies too much on that massive frame to get by. So that's really what you what you have to worry about with, uh, with with Dexter Lawrence. I think he's probably you know if it were me, um, I, I, I if I were to be asked right now if I think he's a first round pick, I would say no. I, I look at what happened with a Sean Robinson, Jaron Reed, um, other guys who were more more effective as run. Uh, run defenders than than as as pass rushers, um, you saw them tend to drop in terms of their draft stock. He's not on the same level of um, you know Dontari uh, Poe or even Vita Vea. Um, so I think late one, early round two, probably going to end up going round two though. Um, also suspended, um, failed the drug test and was suspended for the the college football playoff. So you know I think there's a little bit of a red flag there as well in terms of you know teams having to do their homework there just a little bit. At number 6, Jerry Tillery, 66295, uh, ran a 4.9340 at the combine. This was a guy who never really known much as a pass rusher, um, but uh, a, a guy who had seven sacks this year, including four in one game against Stanford. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, 23 total tackles for loss. This is a guy, you know, it's it's really, you know, really interesting. You know, I, I think he's gaining momentum leading up to the draft. Um, 
came to came to Notre Dame as a top-rated offensive tackle before moving to the defensive side of the ball as a freshman. As a reserve defensive tackle, um, you know, was suspended for a violation of team rules. Um, you know, in, in the Fiesta Bowl as a sophomore, started uh, eleven games but ran into problems again. Um, you know, seen on the field kicking and stepping on on players against USC. Did apologize for the cheap shots after the game, but got his act together in 2017 and really established himself as that defensive tackle to watch. Um, you know, and that that Stanford game. Let's let's talk about this. If you put on that game tape, he looks like a top ten pick. Um, and, and what was ridiculous was he repeatedly beat. Nate Herbig, the guard, like a drum. Nate Herbig was was thought of as a potential draft pick, a uh, higher draft pick there at the guard position until this game. Uh, you know, giving up four sacks of, of KJ Costello in the process. Uh, Tillery long armed him, just driving him back with a devastating bull rush with his right hand to Herbig's uh, right shoulder pad, just driving him back into the backfield to drop Costello. Later, use an arm over to get inside Herbig to get to the quarterback stepping up in the pocket. Um, started outside on him on another play when the defensive end forced Costello up, um, shoved Herbig up the field and was able to track down Costello for a sack. And then there was back-to-back dominating plays on the first one, uh, shot between the left tackle and the guard on a twist stunt, pushed the left tackle wide, then came underneath for a strip stack. And then on the next, extended his arms into the into the left left guard, and rips through to drop Costello for his fourth sack. It's absolutely ridiculous, but. You know, the, the frustrating thing about him was he would have that game where he looks like a top 10 pick, and then there were other games where he looked very pedestrian, playing with a high pad level, would get blown off the ball. And, you know, it was one of those things that was just very odd, um, you know, with, with some of his productivity or lack thereof. Um, you know, I, I think he has powerful hands. Um, you know, he's one of those things he's going to, you know, very violent hands. Um, that was one of the things that you saw against Stanford, especially just using these club moves and just really throwing guys aside, you know, with that powerful punch. Um, you know, I, I think he uses his length to get into the blocker's body, then uses that raw power to really manhandle his man at the point of attack. Um, he's a renaissance man of sorts. You know, if if you follow him on social media, you know, you'll see him, he's been all over the world. Um that inconsistent play make, does make you wonder, does he truly love the game? Um, you know, if you can get his mind right where he's focused on the game completely, um, you may have something there. He's a late one, early two guy at this point. Number seven, Draymond Jones out of Ohio State, 6'3", 281. Uh, the junior ran a 5'1", 240 at the combine. This was a guy who, you know, not a whole lot of production there in 2016 and 2017, but as a junior, uh, 13 Tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks. I think the eight and a half sacks definitely something that uh, you can speak to there at the defensive tackle position. Uh, plays with a very quick get off, uh, allows him to shoot gaps and and get early penetration into the backfield. Um, also has very quick hands to slap the guards' hands away, then rips through to quickly dispose of the block. His patent and counter move is a tight spin move to the outside to get by and, and uh, pressure the quarterback. Also shows good hand placement under the guard's pad level when he's engaged at the point, allowing him to play with leverage, convert his speed to power, drive his man back, and collapse the pocket. Very active against the run. 
uh, showing the lateral quickness to shuffle over two gaps to lock down the running back. Uh, you can also get to the boundary and chase down the backs to, that are running to the perimeter. Non-stop motor, always working to the quarterback. He also once chased Michigan running back Karan Higdon 30 yards down the field. Um, you know, I think he's another guy who has to work on his pad level, can get him off balance at times as well. Um, also able to, to wash him down the line because he struggles to get off blocks. But that athleticism up front, he can be an interior pass rusher. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a, a day two guy, um, you know, second round pick. And, uh, you know, someone that, um, you know, whether it's it's the Chargers, if they don't get one in round one, um, you know, the, the Patriots, you know, who only had 30 sacks. Um, if so there are a number of teams that could um, use Draymond Jones there as a as a three technique. Number eight on my list is, is uh, Colin Sanders. From uh, I'm sorry, Colin Saunders from Western Illinois, six foot, three hundred twenty-four pounds. I'll be honest with you, I didn't really know much about this kid um, until he put on a show during the um, the postseason All Star games. Um, really, more than held his own there at the Senior Bowl. Um, and then when you just watch him play, uh, you know, a guy who was so explosive. I mean, he was beating guys one on one there at the at the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, very active hands, um, hand usage is advanced, um, showing the ability to quickly slap the alignment's hand off, off of him to disengage, um, uses a swim move to shoot the gap to get early penetration. Uh, quickness off the ball also allows him to split double teams, has good lateral quickness to elude blockers, surprising athleticism for his size as well, um, You know, and just filling up the stat sheet. 30, 13, uh, I'm sorry, 34 and a half tackles for loss, uh, 18 sacks, uh, six pass breakups, four forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, even blocked a kick there for the, the Western Illinois Leathernecks. Ran a 501-40 at the combine, 27 reps at 225 in the bench press as well. Um, an impressive, impressive player. And uh, you know, a, a guy who I think can can come off the board um, on day two, potentially in round number two, uh, when it's all said and done. Number nine on my list is, is Gerald Willis, 6'2", 302 out of Miami. Um, really got a got a second chance with Miami um, and made the most of it. As a senior, 59 tackles, so show, you know, showed some, some pretty good you know, activity there at the defensive tackle position. 18 tackles for loss and four sacks. Um, offered a little bit of, of that pass rush ability, but really what he was – really known for was that, that quick penetration into the backfield, just seemed to blow up run plays right at the mesh point a lot of times. Um, so quick to get in, um, to get into the backfield and, and really did a good job watching, you know, especially when um, a guard would pull, would just really stay stay off that hip and uh, and beat the block into the backfield um, and, and drop the running back for loss. You know, really did a good job with angles, um, and a guy who I think um, you know is going to be a day two pick. Um, Dallas, I think, would, would benefit of, um, from getting Willis there, probably in in, uh, in the third round. Uh, Renell Wren out of Arizona State, 6'5", 318 pounds, um, just fourteen and a half tackles for loss and three sacks, but you know five uh, pass breakups in in four seasons with the Sun Devils. But I think he was really playing uh, out of position. You know, I think you get him into a 4-3 scheme, allow him to go to work there on the interior, ha- offer some athleticism, 
501 40, 30 reps at 225 in the bench press, 32 inch vertical leap. You know, pretty athletic guy. Um, you know, has some power in his hands, pretty good burst off the football. Um, number 11 on my list is Dalen Mack out of AM, uh, Texas AM, 6'1, 336 pounds. Uh, just really a, you know, a, a Spark plug there on the interior, very strong at the point of attack. Um, 10 tackles for loss and five and a half sacks uh, his senior season. A guy who just seemed to be unblockable at the at the senior bowl. Um, just wanted to really outwork guys and just drive guys into the backfield, showing so much strength. Bench pressed uh, 225 30 times at the combine, but uh, you know, they didn't really test you know this guy's lower body strength and lower body explosion. Did uh, jump. 27 inches, um, you know, at 336 pounds. So he does have that explosiveness uh, to him. Ran a 5-140 as well. Um, He's a guy who's going to get a, you know, show some burst, can split some double teams. But, uh, you know, he's not somebody, if you square him up, he's going to try to maul you and try to drive you back into the backfield. I think of Puna Ford. I was so high on Puna Ford coming out of Texas. Was an undrafted free agent going there to Seattle and was able to make a difference. I don't think teams make that same mistake with Dalen Mack here. Tristan Hill, Central Florida, 63308. The junior is number 12 on my list. Um, 20 tackles for loss, six sacks in his career, really flourished at the combine, 504-40, you know, 35-inch vertical leap, a guy who was a really fluid athlete, moved very well, change of direction, was really strong, Um, but he was more of a a guy who showed more production um, or really was on the field more for uh, Josh Heupel than he was for Scott Frost. I'm sorry, for Scott Frost than he was for Josh Heupel. I had that backwards. Um, you know, and, and that's one of the things. He didn't really start there up front for the Golden Knights, and that's something that teams are going to have to flush out and figure out. But from an athleticism standpoint, you know, he's more athletic than some of these other guys that are in this year's draft class. And that's why I have him penciled in there um, at, uh, at number 12, on, on the list, um, you know, and I think some of that the lack of productivity overall for him was just because, you know, he, he wasn't getting onto the field quite as much as some of these other guys were, but he made the most of the time that he was out on the field. Kansas, yes, the Jayhawks, you know, despite their 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 woes, they have a guy who I think could be drafted, um, you know, probably, you know, either third, fourth round range, and that's Daniel Wise at a, uh, let's see, 6'3", 281 pounds, 43 tackles for loss, 17 sacks. So, you know, a guy who made a living in, in opposing backfields. So quick off the ball, um, you know, but he's somebody, you know, you look at that 52840 and you worry about that, but he has short area quickness. I think that's really all you need to be a quick penetrator in the backfields. He uses his hands well um, and a guy who can can get to the quarterback as well, collapse in the pocket. Um, you know, his brother is Dietrich Wise, um, so he's got some NFL bloodlines to him. Uh, dad also played in the NFL. Um, I, I think he's going to be an underrated guy. You know, I think if he falls, people are going to be looking at some of those stat, you know, the stat line. They need to pay, you know, quit paying attention to that really, because I think he's a player and a guy who, um, could end up starting early on in his career, I believe. 14 Cortez Broughton out of Cincinnati, uh, 6'2", 290 pounds. Now this was a guy who wasn't invited to the combine. 
and I don't know why. Um, 18 and a half tackles for loss a season ago, seven and a half sacks, five pass breakups. You know, it, it was a guy who really struggled and was kind of a disappointment there for the Bearcats, but really put it all together for a senior season. Um, a, a guy who showed some, you know, a pretty good burst, showed some power to, to drive his man into the backfield as well. Ran a 501 40 um, at his pro day, uh, 33 and a half inch vertical leap, broad jump of 113 inches, um, 457 short shuttle. And uh, seven six five three cone drill. Why am I reading all of these off? Well, the, all those stats would have put him between fourth and eighth among all defensive tackles at the combine. So his athleticism really matched up, and the production was really you know he, he put it all together. He was playing alongside Marquise Copeland. Now Marquise Copeland was more was the more consistent of the two in their four years together there in Cincinnati, but uh, Cortez Broughton, you know, he was the one that really was more explosive. Um, and a guy who was making more plays in opposing backfields uh, in 2018. Um, he's a guy, to me, I, I think probably fourth round range, fourth, fifth round will make a lot of sense. Uh, Greg Gaines, Washington, 6'1", 312 pounds. Um, I thought Daniel Jeremiah said it best. They called him the Tasmanian Devil, and that's really what he kind of reminds you of. Um, you know, little, you know, he's a short, shorter guy, 6'1", 312, playing on the middle of that uh, uh three-man front for Washington and a guy who just always seemed to keep working to the quarterback. Um, you know, in each of his last three seasons had at least five tackles for loss, nine and a half, t- uh, sacks in his career. Um, ran a five, one, six forty for, you know, for a guy, his size, you know, bench press, you know, uh, 30 reps of 225. To me, he's, he's a guy who offers some short area quickness, and uh, a guy who's very strong at the point of attack as well, a guy who's going to continue to try to work, um, a guy who does a good job pursuing the quarterback who gets outside the pocket, also does a good job, which offers some pretty good lateral agility for a guy his size, uh, especially against the run. Terry Beckner, out of Missouri, 6'4", 296 pounds. This was a guy, he was a high-level recruit going to Missouri, and I thought, you know, a little disappointing in terms of his overall production, but still managed 32 tackles for loss, including 11 in each of the last two seasons, 13 and a half sacks. So he offers some of that as well. Ran a 5.1940 at the combine, only 32 and a quarter inch arms. That has to be concerning. Um, lower body ex- uh, explosion is a little questionable as well. 24 and a half inch vertical leap. Um, but, uh, you know, someone who I think can make plays behind the line of scrimmage, and that's really what you're getting with Terry Beckner. I think he's probably going to be a later round pick, um, but a guy who I think has some pretty good op- upside because of his ability to get into backfields. Here's another guy who was not invited to the combine, and I think he'll end up being a better pro than he was uh, a college player. Michael Dogba out of, out of Temple, 6'3", 286. Um, not much of a factor for the Owls in his first three seasons. But man, as a senior, you know, and he wore one of those double digit or I'm sorry, single digit numbers. So, you know, that's that talks about the the toughness. Um, you know, he was he was one of those guys, one of the dudes there for Temple. Um, you know, especially at the defensive tackle position wearing a single digit number. But uh 72 tackles, so you know, speaks to his his uh how just how active he was. 12 and a half tackles for loss, 7 sacks. Three forced fumbles, you know, a guy who offers some some burst off the football. Ran a four nine seven forty at his pro day, 
one six eight ten yard split. So that speaks to his ability to penetrate and get into the backfield. Then he bench pressed 225 34 times. So that's another guy who at the point of attack is going to offer up some power at the point. And uh, you know, if you can convert some of that speed to power, get into uh, into blockers, be able to bench press this man, get off the block, and uh, and drop the running back. He's a guy to me is is one of those sleepers and a guy to to keep an eye out for. Uh, probably going to be a day three guy, but someone who I think can end up making plays at the next level. Chris Slayton, six uh, four, three hundred seven pounds. He was really a, one of my favorite players in twenty sixteen, um, where he had nine tackles for loss and three sacks. Um, from there, when you look at his, his productivity, 30 and a half uh, tackles for loss. More of a run defender than a sack uh, sack guy, though he did manage seven and a half in his career. 5'1", 340, um, not the longest arms in the world, 33 and, and, and a half inches. Um, I think a guy who can you know be stout at the point of attack, um, you know, plays, um, you know, does a good job taking on double teams. Um, you know, someone who I think could be a, a day three guy, fifth, sixth round range. And, uh, you know, someone again, um, you know, just offering some depth to this, this draft class, uh, kind of staying on that same trend. Dontavious Russell out of Auburn, six, three, 319 pounds, ran a five, one, five forty at the combine, which was actually a little bit faster than I was expecting out of him. But uh, a guy who I think is really stout at the point of attack, anchors very well, um, plays very well against the run. You know, a guy who I think can get off blocks, uses his hands pretty well. Um, not much of a pass rusher though. You know, just six sacks in his career. Um, you know, he had three as a, a junior in 2017, just one and a half sacks as a as a, a senior. But uh, a guy who I think is going to be a, a mid to late day three guy. <clears throat> Number 20 on my list is Kevin Givens out of Penn State. And I don't know why people aren't talking about him very much. 6'1", 285, ran a 508, 40, um, 32 reps at, at, uh, at 225, a vertical leap of, of 31 inches. So I think he has some explosiveness. Um, 22 tackles for loss and 13 and a half sacks. You know, including five. You know, we had five sacks as a, as a freshman, five sacks as a junior. I really wanted to see him come back. He and Sharif Miller. I would have loved to see the two of them come back for their senior seasons. But that said, I think Kevin Givens is a guy who you put him in as a, as a five technique. That explosiveness off the football. Um, I think he's a guy. To me, I think he's underrated. I don't know why people are are not talking about him a whole lot. Not a whole lot of production. Um, in terms of overall tackles, just 83 tackles in his career. But uh, again, a guy who, um, with the quick burst and quick penetration into the backfield, can affect plays. And, and I think that's something that uh, teams need to take notice of. Same thing with Isaiah Bugs. You know, I don't know why people aren't really talking about him either. Um, you know, 6'3", 306, 5'1", 5'40", um, 13 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks a season ago. Again, that vaunted Alabama defense, that might have a lot to do with it, especially when he was playing next to Quinton Williams. Um, you know, got a lot of, probably a lot of those those plays were because Quinton Williams, frankly, was, was flushing the quarterback right into him. Um, just 31 and a quarter inch arms, not very, you know, the arms aren't very long, so that 
lack of length is concerning. Um, getting off blocks, you know, he was more of a uh, a five technique for Bama, but with those short arms, you know, I, I think he's going to have to play defensive tackle, and I think that may be one of the concerns. Only put up 225 20 times, so you worry about some of the strength at the point of attack. Um, you know, I think he does offer some some first step quickness uh, as an interior pass rusher. But uh, the more I sit here and look at his numbers, now it, it does kind of make a little bit of sense why uh, we're not talking about him quite as much. Um, I, again, just looking at some of these numbers that I've been reading off, probably going to be a, a mid to late day three guy when it's all said and done. We're almost to the end. Um, another guy who wasn't invited to the combine, um, Ricky Walker out of Virginia Tech. Now with Ricky Walker, um, you know, measured in at, uh, at 6'2", 285, um, 30 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks. Um, never really matched the production of his junior season um, with 12 and a half tackles for loss and four and a half sacks. But a, a guy who ran a 4.9540 at the combine um, has a pretty nice arm over move, um, and, and a guy who just continues to work. You know, works hard getting to the quarterback. You know, I think he's a guy who's going to end up being a sixth or seventh round pick. Um, but again, you know, when you talk about that lunch pail there, that lunch pail mentality under Bud Foster's defense, I think Ricky Ricky Walker is a guy. He just continues to work hard and continues um, just you know a high effort guy, always working to the quarterback, always working to the football against the run as well. Uh, Demarcus Christmas, Florida State, six three two ninety four. Not the most productive, but a guy who, you know, very stout at the point of attack for the Seminoles. 13 pass breakups, I think, is probably the most impressive stat of his. You know, when you look at it, 11 and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, but a guy who ultimately was taking up a lot of blockers, allowing, um, you know, his uh, Brian Burns and, and some of the linebackers to make plays behind him. Ran a 508.40, I think, some surprising athleticism from him there on the, you know, the interior of the line. Another day three guy there at the defensive tackle position. And then Armand Watts. Out of uh, Arkansas, six five three hundred, ran a five two three forty. Kind of disappointing for him, but uh, you know eight and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks. Uh, interior pass rushers um, are always going to to have a home there at the at the next level if they can show that they can get to the quarterback with regularity from the defensive tackle position. Yeah, they're they're going to to have a home there at the at the next level. At at, at interior pass rusher is starting to become more and more valuable, uh, just as valuable in some cases as as the edge rusher. You see what Aaron Donald's been able to do before him. You know, uh, Geno Atkins was another one there in Cincinnati, uh, but the interior pass rusher is definitely key. And if you can get to the quarterback, then I think that's going to help your draft stock. You know, if you're able to affect both the passer and the run game, like Quinn and Williams is able to do, play in and play out, that's what makes him so special. Is that he can attack both both sides. You know, whether whether you're throwing the football or you're running running the football. He's going to get that quick penetration. He's going to affect the quarterback. He's going to to disrupt the run plays, and uh, you know he's he's going to really blow up a lot of a lot of runs. And uh, I, I think when I look at it at the end of the day, if Mike Mayock and, and John Gruden can get out of day one with Quinn and Williams at four, and then Cleveland Furl at twenty four. I think that would be a, a pretty nice day, a pretty nice haul. I think it could happen. You know, 13 sacks. 
just isn't going to cut it. And if you're able to land both of those guys, I think that's going to go a long way towards improving on that stat. So we made it through the edge rushers and the defensive tackles at just about the two-hour mark. So I think that means we're about done here for the Ready for the Draft podcast. That means just two more of the rapid-fire podcasts. I'm going to have to get the linebackers and the defensive backs out here pretty quickly because I still have one final podcast after that that's going to bring to you my final mock draft, the final first round. I'll make sure that my first four rounds are updated and on the website on Wednesday in advance of the draft that will begin on Thursday. So I've got a lot to get done here over the next few days. But uh, I hope everyone's enjoyed the podcast to this point, especially the rapid-fire positional breakdowns. Want to make sure that you're going to be ready for the draft that's coming up here in just a few days. Um, hope you're ex- as excited as I am uh, for the draft, and uh, we'll talk soon. Um, like I said, I'm going to try to get this out here. Hopefully, whether it's it's tomorrow or the next day, we'll make sure that we get this podcast together for you. So without further ado, let's go ahead and sign off uh, for readyforthedraft.com. This is the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am Greg Schutz. Until next time, everyone, I am out of here. Take care.